books serve to show a man that those original thoughts of his aren't very new after all. Abraham Lincoln. That was good. That was really good. That was good. That was Brandy. <laughs> I'm Kayla. This is Two Bitches Reading Books. That was a good quote. Right? It took just my breath away. Just to freaking talk shit to every single person, past, past, present, and future, in one sentence. Man, smarter, <laughs> smarter than the last president we had. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but legit, aren't they all? Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, I, I want to like apologize in advance to you and to everybody who's listening to this. Um, every single thing that has come out of my mouth the last week and a half has been tinted by this lens that we're in the middle of an apocalypse. And like by this time next year, nobody's gonna have any fucking rights. No one. So um, really sorry for all the shit I'm about to say while we're recording this. Yeah, I'm going to double down on that, especially because um, DACA is being heard in a federal appeals court today. Oh, and God. if it gets up to the Supreme Court, we already know. It's we gone. We already know what's going to happen. So. <laughs> right. You know what? I remember when they put Brett Kavanaugh on there. Or is that even his first name? I don't know. His last yeah. name is Kavanaugh for sure. The rapist. Uh, yeah. yeah, the rapist. I remember saying to someone like, this is it like the supreme court is like it and once that shit gets fucked up all the shit gets fucked up and i can't stop thinking about like they've been working on this for 50 years they've at least been working on overturning roe v wade for 50 years and to me that means we need to take at least 50 years to fix it Mm -hmm. we're not going to see it get fixed no especially because a lot of the people that are on the court aren't even old enough to die Exactly. This, they're doing all this in the first year. I knew it was going to get fucked up, but I didn't realize it was going to get fucked up so bad. I was worried about all the future precedents they were going to fuck up. But they're yeah. like, actually, we're going to take it back. We're going to take about 50 years. I know there were cases that wanted to be heard, you know, that happened the last 12 months, but fuck all those people and their rights. We got a lot of, a lot of people to fuck over right now. So anyway. Yep. And, and then also, Verity's crazy and like really tying everything together for us. She is. <laughs> and also, I just want to say all of the women who voted for Donald Trump that are really upset about the Roe v. Wade happening, he told you that that was his plan. Really? So we can't be upset that it happened when you knew that it was going to happen by your vote. And he didn't just like say it like he didn't just like tweet it or like mention it in a conversation. He said it in a like a debate, a legit televised debate against Hillary, like way up there during the fucking campaign. So, yeah, this was the plan. This has been the plan the whole time. Yeah. So thanks for uh, your white fear. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) it's ruining your lives now. It's going to come back to all of us. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I actually don't even remember where we started this book. So much shit has happened in the book and in real life since then. Yeah, we're on chapter three. We started on chapter three. That's what I thought. (sighs) Verity's book, chapter three. So be it. Yes. Yes. Man, Verity's book is so fucking hard to read. I can't. It's hard to get through. I have a note somewhere in these chapters that we read for this podcast or this episode her sex scenes during Sobia, I can't even think that they're hot because she's thinking so much crazy shit that I'm like, how is she even doing this? How is she compartmentalizing this much that she's thinking this shit and like having sex with her husband at the same time? It's crazy. She's psychotic. She's a psycho. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then also, I can't stop thinking 
I wonder how many women are going to have these thoughts and they have to have the babies because they live in Alabama or where the fuck ever. Yeah. Anyway, let's jump right into it with that being said. <laughs> she says she knew she was pregnant because her breasts looked better than they had ever looked. She's real vain. Yeah. Like, this first page of chapter three of So Be It is just her talking about how aware of her body she is. How do you know it's called So Be It? Um, I think it mentioned that at the beginning of the first chapter of it. Where's oh. the first chapter? I'm like, Where wow, I just, like, missed so much. I went back to make sure that I knew the name of it so that I could, like... Reference it? Yeah. Oh, you're so smart. I try. I try. Yep. So on page 61 okay. is where it tells you, like, the title by okay. Verity Crawford. So Verity is a real vain person. And obviously we know that. We knew how aware she was of her good looks when she told us how fuckable she looked in that red dress. So she knows she's pregnant because of how good her boobs look and how aware she is of how her body looks at all times. She knows what goes into it, what she needs to take care of it to keep it at its peak fuckable looking level, you know? Yeah, she refers to bodies as machines. Yeah, she says if you fuck them with the machine, you will die. If you neglect the machine, you will die. If you assume your conscience can outlive the machine, you will die shortly after learning you were wrong. She's crazy. She reminds her of, like, she would be a bro on a podcast for sure. Yeah, she would. <laughs> and then this, this one, it's very simple, really. Take care of your physical being, feed it what it needs, not what the conscience tells you it wants. So I really want to know, like, what, what would she eat? What was her I have no daily idea. consuming? I don't know if you know that I worked for this, like, wandering, like, casino game company companies would hire this place to do like their holiday parties and they'd show up with 15 people and 15 blackjack tables and we'd deal cards for a few hours and we would all carpool places and it would just be like with co-workers and there was this one guy who was a chiropractor but also a fucking crazy person and he wouldn't eat food he just took supplements and then he like lectured us about how vaccines were bad and like basically brought this lady who was also in the car who was a nurse to tears because he was just telling her that medicine doesn't make any sense while he's also like taking supplements instead of eating food anyway that's verity in my mind yeah that's 100 percent verity <laughs> he, he was crazy yeah he's probably queuing on by now oh for sure Oh my God. That, yeah. He reads anything that is not supported by science. So a thousand percent. Oh, cool. Cool. So she's basically saying that parents are weak because if their kid has a bad day, they let them have an entire box of cookies. She's like, this isn't how parenting happens, Verity. Like, I don't think parents just go up to their kids and are like literally give them a whole box of cookies and tell them to wash it down with a soda. Like no. you might tell them they could have a sugary snack after school instead of fruit because they had a bad day but nobody's telling their kid to pound a box of cookies you know sometimes no. that happens because the kids won't eat the food but mm -hmm. they have to eat something exactly and this also this also reminds me of like that thing that conservatives are saying right now that like five-year-olds are transitioning like five-year-old little boys are transitioning to girls and vice versa and I'm like who's oh doing my gosh. that 
if you if you know kids, you know that their mind's not completely made up. So like, also Sebastian wouldn't eat an entire box of cookies. He he knows his limits. He knows <laughs> right, his they'd limits. be vomiting by then. Um, yeah. Nobody is transitioning five year olds. Putting on a dress does not a transition make. No, <laughs> my God. I can wear boxers, and I don't fucking grow a penis. I'm just just saying. I, I'm not a scientist, and I'm not a doctor. But a little boy or a little girl can wear whatever clothes they can, they want, and like explore whatever they want. And nobody's giving them any fucking hormones. Stop fear mongering. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> My God. Yeah, and then Verity goes into talking about how fat her mom is. Oh my gosh. She said her mother didn't care for her like she didn't care for her body. And she's comparing caring for your body to caring for your child. And I think that this is a really interesting because, like, she cares for her body really well, but not her children. Not, not that we know of 200 pages in. She started to show, and she got really upset. There's a lot going on in her head here. Yeah. So she's pissed that Jeremy is interested in the babies. She's disgusted that she is showing during her pregnancy, all within four paragraphs. And she's saying she vowed to start working out three times a day. She'd seen what pregnancy could do to women. Especially to their vaginas. <laughs> do you think about working out three times a day when you're pregnant? Because, like, I don't know. No. I don't know. I can tell I you I think about taking three naps a day. Right, having three extra snacks a day. Like, a lot of things you could do three more times a day. Call in sick to work three more times a day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, and then she also is talking about how she's trying to figure out how to deliver her, children, her child early, 34 mm -hmm. or 33 weeks, because she doesn't want to carry it the full 40 weeks because it'll damage her body completely. Yeah, the third trimester is when you really get most of the wear and tear. <laughs> She thinks about She's a pregnancy piece of work. like a man thinks about pregnancy. Like, yeah. She hates every fucking second of it. And she's doing all of this just so Jeremy will love her. And that's crazy. First of all, to think that you'd have to do that to keep him loving you. Why couldn't she have told him before she didn't want to have a baby? People are crazy. Do people do this shit? Just have babies because the other person wants one? I guess. Ugh. Well, Jeremy is excited that she's starting to show. He's smiling. He loves the babies, but she doesn't like it. He tells her that she's never looked more beautiful, and she says, it was a lie to make me feel better. But was it? Like, the first trimester, are, I mean, you got a little gas bubble. Maybe you look a little bloated, but your boobs are huge and your hair is shining, you know? Mm-hmm. Everybody says you're glowing. Yep. And then they had sex <laughs> oh yeah they started the in the lie. counter yep they started on the counter in the bathroom and finished in the bed i yeah this it happened so fast they totally just braced right by that her stomach growls afterwards and he says what's she craving the baby not her she's like it's not a boy it's not a girl it's a blob she's pissed that's so weird to me. That she's mad? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's weird to me because I'm like, what if I was like this when I was pregnant? I what if I so. was, like, pissed that, like, Matt was excited that we were having a baby? 
I don't think so. I don't think I could keep it in that I was pissed. <laughs> yeah. I Everyone think, would know. Yeah. She did say that sometimes Jeremy's excitement of the baby excited her. Uh, she said that his excitement over the next few weeks helped her cope, especially with the more her stomach grew, because you'd give her more attention. He would kiss her more. He would hold her hair while she puked. He would always text her potential baby names and obsessed with, he was obsessed with her pregnancy. So she was thankful for that. And then they went to the doctor and that's when she found out they were having twins. Ugh, two of them. I noted here that that's a lot of wear on the machine. (laughs) Twins. That's a lot. She'd already feared becoming the mother of one baby, being forced to love the one thing that Jeremy loved more than me. But when I found out that there were two and that they were girls, I was suddenly not okay with being the third most important thing in Jeremy's life. Wait for it, honey. In five more years, you're going to be the fourth. (laughs) Oh, man. It's true. She says it repulses her when he rubs her stomach, knowing he was only doing it because they were in there. Ugh, she's just such a terrible person. She says even if she delivered early, it didn't matter. Her body was going to suffer more damage. That's, that's that my Jeremy, thought, too. She says, how could Jeremy still want me after this? Yeah, at the temple he worshipped nightly at, between her <laughs> legs. That's a, that's a solid line. <laughs> She's worried about her skin getting stretched and her breasts getting ruined. And I mean, I'm sure that these thoughts do pop up, but like most people don't hate babies because your body changes when you get pregnant. Yeah, no. She started hoping for a miscarriage during the fourth month of pregnancy. And she just assumes that after the babies die, Jeremy would make her a priority again. She would take sleeping, sleeping pills when he wasn't looking and drink wine and to do anything to destroy them. In the fifth month of pregnancy. Oh my gosh. I can't, I can't even like believe we're going to talk about this. This is I know, awful. I know. So they're doing it. In her words, Jeremy was fucking me from behind and he had his hand on her stomach and she just didn't like it when he touched her stomach. She says it ruins her mood just thinking about the mo- babies while they're like, mid-coitus and then he stops moving and she realizes it's because she he felt them move and he goes soft because he's so excited about the babies and not interested in having sex anymore and she's so fucking disgusted by this she ends up asking him like do you love them more than me and he ends up saying yes and she says that really crushes her I was laying in bed while I was reading this and I asked Matt if he thinks that it's normal for like people to love the babies more than the like mom. And he said no, but I mean, I guess I could see where Jeremy's coming from because it's different, right? Like yeah. the mom can take care of herself, you assume. The babies are like this, this helpful little baby, this helpful little baby. Yeah, and we also don't know, like, has Jeremy always wanted to be a father? Is this something that he's always wanted to do? And so now he's finally getting this to come true, and he loves Verity, and he's excited to bring life into the world with he's her. He's excited to have two little Verities running around instead of just the one big Verity, and Verity's looking at it very differently Yeah, than that. So she asked, is his love for them more intense than his love for her? And she was hoping that he would say no, but he said yes. Yeah. 
And his explanation of all of this is that his love for the kids is unconditional and his love for her, he, he didn't even say his love for her. He said their love for each other was conditional as husband and wife. Because there's things that you could do to each other that you would never forgive each other for. And Verity thinks in her head, like, he couldn't do anything that she wouldn't forgive him for. Yeah. And so this whole time, Jeremy thinks that she's feeling the same way as he is. And she's not. She's not. She's pissed at these babies. She says she doesn't forgive them for taking the night they got engaged from them. Because that was also the night they conceived. (sighs) she's just really really turned off that he's going to cry because he's just so emotional about the babies and she goes to the bathroom and straight up tries to give herself a coat hanger abortion i'm just gonna say it you gotta rip the band-aid off that's what she does it's graphic she talks about blood coming down her legs getting cramps and then climbing into bed waiting for blood to come she wanted to be in bed when it happened so that he could wake up and be shocked and dote all over her and they can move on from this whole pregnancy mishap. She wanted him to cry for her instead of for those stupid babies. I read this, this page, the day that they announced Roe versus Wade. And I was like, this is going to be people's life. Like this, this, this page, 110. People are going to be doing this. Yeah, but I also feel like people aren't going to be doing it for the same selfish reason that Verity is. Oh, for sure. They're going to be having some real crazy thoughts. And also, like, I don't think it's typical that just nothing happens except the baby gets a little, you know, we'll talk about later. Like, I feel like you would get an infection or something. You're just shoving something up in there. Is it sanitary? There's a lot of reasons you shouldn't. Yeah. You should not do coat hanger abortions. Also, um, I hope that I don't get, like, in trouble for any crimes or, like, die anytime soon because this book has got my search history looking so fucking weird. (laughs) I'm looking up so many things about at-home abortions, coat hanger abortions, like, mothers not bonding with their children, like, all kinds of fucking shit. How do doctors detect if people have brain activity? That's been a really frequent search of mine. (laughs) So I look like a real, a real hot mess. It's just that. And then Supreme court news, Google's just sprinkled throughout. (laughs) It's just, it's just been a fun week for us. A fun week for us. Yeah. And by fun, I mean, not fun. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So then we're on chapter seven of the present time. Verity. We're back with Lowen. And she says that she dropped the last page of the chapter because it was disgusting and she couldn't believe that Verity would do something like that. She can't even cry. She has to take deep breaths. Yeah, she's so disturbed by what she's reading in this lady's manuscript that she's literally having a physical reaction. And she says she doesn't know if it's sadness or anger. She only knows that this was written by a very disturbed woman, a woman whose house she currently inhabits. And I noted a scary woman whose house you currently inhabit, a scary woman who I think may or may not be faking being brain dead, but whatever. Me too. We'll get into that later. Yeah. Uh, She she says she can feel her lurking, disapproving (laughs) of her presence. And that's how I think I would feel too. Yeah. And Lowen says, a mother wouldn't write that about herself, about her daughters, if it weren't the truth. She's completely sold that Verity meant every word that she wrote. All these things actually happened. 
Do you think she ever shows, because we're only halfway through the book, right? Do mm-hmm. you think she shows Jeremy the manuscript? Oh, do fuck you yeah. Think, do you think, okay, so I think Verity killed her daughters. Mm-hmm. Or at least one of them, right? Yeah. I think the other one died from an actual accident because of how he already talks about it. And then I think Verity didn't like how sad Jeremy was about it. So then she purposely hurt herself. And I I don't think that she's brain dead because she is liking the attention she's getting. Right. Right. Or maybe she's liking the fact that she doesn't have to do anything for anybody else. She doesn't owe anybody any caregiving or anything. She never intended to be a mother. She never intended to have that type of life. If she is faking it, I can see why. But I mean, if she's not faking it by the end of the book, I'm going to feel like a real asshole. (laughs) Yeah. We'll see. Maybe Lowen's just also like having real anxiety brain because she, she's doing something bad, but I do think she'll show Jeremy. Do you think she'll show him? Yes, I do. Because I think we get into it later, but the thing that happens with crew Mm -hmm. I think Verity did it. Oh, yeah. So do I. That was scary. I think that she'll show Jeremy the manuscript because she wants to justify them being a thing. They're, they're being very intimate by the end of our reading for today. So, yeah. Of course, Lowen is questioning what actually happened to the girls, knowing that Verity literally tried to abort them with wine, sleeping pills, and a hanger while they were in utero and um she tucks away the manuscript because she at this point doesn't want jeremy to come across it she said she's going to destroy it before she leaves because she can't imagine how he would feel i also feel like if she does destroy it before she leaves she's going to save verity's reputation and Mm -hmm. i don't know i'll be really surprised if by the end of the book she feels like verity's reputation deserves to be saved yeah And I also can't help but think, and it's confirmed near the end of the reading, but I have so many notes in here where Lowen hates Verity for being bad mom because she had a bad mom. Yes, she does. It's going to be impossible for her to separate that. So no wonder she's having such a physical reaction to this book. Mm -hmm. So after reading that and she puts everything away, she goes out into the kitchen to look for an alcoholic beverage and she can't find any. And then Jeremy comes in and is like, are you okay? What are you looking for? Yeah. She's like opening and closing all the like cabinet doors, like a crazy person searching for booze. And apparently the whole time Jeremy was sitting on the dining room chair. (laughs) And then finally he's like, are you okay? Like you said, (laughs) so embarrassing. Why is every single thing in her life so embarrassing? I just feel so bad for her. Also, I can't believe that she like just didn't tell him. I can't, I can't keep a secret. I would spill it. I'd spill the beans. Right. He asks her like, are you okay? And she says, yeah, I just read um, some of Verity's book and it's got me a little shaken. So I guess it's like a half lie, half truth. (laughs) A right. full truth, but, like, she didn't say what kind of book. When he asked her what happened before she answers, she thinks, oh, let's see, Jeremy, your brain-damaged wife made eye contact with me. She walked to her bedroom window and waved at your son, and she tried to abort your babies while you was- were asleep in your bed. <laughs> she ends up just saying, your wife, her books. I just, there was a scary part that freaked me out. Oh my gosh. And of course he's like, seriously, a book did this to you? And she's at this point sipping on some Crown and Coke. Um, Yeah. 
Jeremy she's, probably thinks she's fucking crazy. He probably does. And she's like, she's a great writer. I'm easily spooked. And he's like, you write the same genre. And she goes, even my books do this to me. And he's like, maybe you should switch to romance. I'm sure I will once this contract is over. <laughs> right. So Jeremy is always taking care of her. He made her a drink after she searched through all his kitchen cabinets trying to found, find some crown. And now he decides to... Uh, give her some food as well. There's chicken casserole, and apparently he's a real good cook because he made it himself. I mean, casserole's not hard, but you know it's okay. Right, but compassion, abs, and cooking. Yeah, Jeremy right. needs to stop before he gets married again. But can he really be this perfect? Marriage. Can he really be this perfect? Man, yeah. What fucked up thing has he done? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he is this perfect, but. He's fiction, so that's why he's so perfect. God damn it. (laughs) Made up. Obviously, Lowen has some questions because she just uh, wrote some fucked up shit. And she wants to know if Verity's going to make a full recovery. And he says the doctor doesn't think she'll ever walk or talk again because she hasn't made that progress. And they find out she's not paralyzed. There wasn't any damage to her spinal cord. But her mind is similar to that of an infant. She only has basic reflexes, eating, drinking, blinking, and moving a little, but nothing intentional. That is interesting. Like, how do they know that? How can That's what that? I'm saying. Like, how do you know her mind is that of an infant? WebMD said that it's normally like a doctor sitting down and visiting with them for like six hours av- on average. So wow. it doesn't sound like scanning. It sounds like somebody's just sitting there. So does somebody, did somebody just say that she has the thoughts of an infant? I don't know. This page made me feel like for sure she could be faking it because it's all willy-nilly. Yep. Yep. It doesn't sound like there was a scan. It sounds like there would have been a person talking to her. And if she just was like, I'm going to sit here and not make eye contact and let my neck lull around, what could they say other than that's all she can do? Yep. Because she gets the attention she wants or we think. Yeah, exactly. So crew comes downstairs and she's like, oh, I totally forgot about crew. And then she thinks that maybe, maybe since there's another kid that she ended up loving the girls after they were born. At this point, I started to wonder, isn't it weird that crew went and waved at Verity? If Verity hated her kids, do you think she would have bonded with them so much that he would be waving at an empty window it got me thinking what if once crew came along she actually had like a special bond with crew and not the girls because he likes watching his ipad in bed with her yeah if she neglected him or abused him or just straight up ignored him and pretended he didn't exist would he want to be around her all the time you know that's a good question but i also know like boys cling to their mom too yeah and then also like five-year-olds want to show you everything so that it could just be a thing that five-year-olds do as well so yeah it'll be interesting to see coming up what what else goes down do you think she finished her manuscript shoot if she did then i feel like that means it's definitely a suicide note yeah. I really have the sneaking suspicion, though, that later in later chapters that we read, um, she's going to finish, quote unquote, finish where Verity stopped writing and then come back and find another chapter. That's how I feel like she's going to find out for sure that Verity is live. In my mind, that's what I would have written if I was calling. Yeah. So I guess to answer your question, I don't think that the manuscript is currently finished. I think that Verity will add to it in her vegetative state, quote unquote. 
Okay, makes sense. What do you think? Do you think it's finished now? I do. So it was like her signing off. I think maybe she couldn't live with herself after whatever happened with the girls. Mm -hmm. And, or it's either that or she just wanted to have the attention again. Maybe. Lowen is kind of thinking at this point that maybe she bonded with them. She's thinking maybe she wrote the book and said all these awful things because in the end it's a happy story. And it was just like releasing all these toxic thoughts for Verity and like describing her journey to motherhood or whatever. And that coupled with Jeremy saying that she only has the mental capabilities of a newborn. She's trying to convince herself that nothing's really going on with Verity. And she also gets to admire how cute Crew and Jeremy are since Crew just popped down there and is now sitting there watching his iPad while Jeremy scrolls on his phone. Modern day family. Yeah, she's, I feel like, just loving them. Or Jeremy. Just Jeremy. I think just Jeremy. It's cute. If there's something that goes on, you know, further in the book, I think she'll use this manuscript as a way not to feel bad. Oh, for sure. For sure. I feel like by the time we end our reading, she's already kind of feeling like that. Like Jeremy shouldn't love Verity anymore. Crew ends up going upstairs because he has to go brush his teeth. And Lowen notices at this point, and I've noticed it in a couple of chapters previous, that Jeremy's really good about calling her Lauren in front of everybody else. But when it's just her and him, he calls her Lowen. So Jeremy's also flirting. These two, Mm -hmm. they're bad. They're really bad. And we know that Jeremy read her book. I yeah. just feel like he's repeating his Verity situation here, either on purpose or not on purpose by happy accident. I don't know. Yeah. So after Jeremy takes crew upstairs to brush his teeth and go to bed, she is looking at family photos that are just hanging on the hallway wall. And she notices most of them are the kids. A few of them have Verity and Jeremy in them. And that the twins look exactly like Verity and Krub looks like Jeremy. Mm-hmm. And while she keeps looking at these photos, she realizes one of the girls has a scar on her cheek. Cue me Googling if wire hanger abortions can leave scars on the fetus <laughs> if they don't take effect. By the way, I got to like the end of the Google page where you're just scrolling and asks if you want to search more options and every, or like see more options, see more results or whatever. Every single result that Google pulled up in the first, whatever, however many results they give you were just articles about women going to jail for abortions. Nice. But it, it kind of makes sense on one hand that like, if you scratched the fetus, it would have a scar. But on the other hand, I just don't understand how a wire hanger abortion can fail. Because, like, if you puncture the sack, yeah, how do the babies keep living? Like, exactly. I don't understand it. But then I'm like, don't they do surgeries and, like, shit where they puncture the sack to get into the baby? Do they stitch it back up? That's a- above my uh, education level. Yeah, I'm not sure. So I have a lot of questions. I don't know if it's possible that a baby could really get scratched in utero and then come out with a scar, but that's what we're to assume happened here. Well, I'll ask my OBGYN next time I see her. I'll just be like, listen, I'm reading this book, so please don't get any ideas. (laughs) Tell her we're making a podcast. Yeah. Bring the book and be like, hey, look at this page right here. Can you tell me, can I get a quote from my podcast? (laughs) (laughs) So... I, I just, 
I don't know. I was really surprised that the abortion didn't work, I guess, because I just don't understand how you puncture the sack with a dirty, rusty nail and then the babies don't die. Yeah. Anyway, she keeps going down the line of pictures and she sees the girls when they were toddlers and the scar was there. So she said she must have got it at a young age. Mm-hmm. And so then Jeremy comes out and she's asking him who is who they look like Verity. And then she's like, how did Chaston get the scar? And Jeremy says she was born with it. The doctors say it's scarring from fibrous tissue. And he says it's not uncommon with twins because they're cramped for room. So they're saying that it was probably a scratch from one of the twins. Yeah. Those little baby nails are pretty sharp. Yeah. This is where Lowen is like, I wonder if it's the result of Verity's failed abortion attempt. She asks if both girls had the same allergy, which he never told her about this. She found out from Googling. So then she's like, shit, he just knew that I was Googling about, I was reading about the deaths. And so then she's like, sorry. And he goes, it's fine. He's like, just Chaston had an allergy to peanuts. He looks at her and he was like, oh, like you guys, they hold a gaze. Like, these two just need to fuck. There's probably a lot yeah. of sexual tension in the you air. You could cut the sexual tension with a knife and serve it on some fucking toast, okay? Yeah. It's there. It's, it's there. And he grabs her hand and he goes, how did you get this scar that she has on her palm? And he lifts it with delicate fingers and flips it over and he's running his thumb over the scar across her palm. And she just doesn't really want to say how she got it. Yeah. She so she's just- like, I can't remember. She says, thank you for dinner. I'm going to go take a shower and then takes off. And I was upset because he answered all of her questions. He always answers all of her questions. And she just takes off. Yeah. Come on, bruh. You can't be doing all this spicy eye contact with the hot, hunky Jeremy. And then be like, I don't want to tell you how I got this scar on my wrist. We shouldn't know anything about each other. Yeah. I don't know. She's a bitch. Pick a side. Pick a side, Lowen. She says that Jeremy Crawford is a good man and the manuscript is making her uncomfortable because she has no doubt that he would share his love equally with his three children and his wife. Yes, I can't stop thinking that too. Like, I feel like he could be a good dad and a good husband. Like, I feel like he wanted to do both of those things and that's like 90% of the work. She doesn't think she'll ever understand how Verity could become so consumed and obsessed with him to the point of creating a child with him that would ignite jealousy within her. But she says she does understand her attraction to him. She understands that more than she wants to. And I said, I understand it too. (laughs) Man. And this part, she scares herself. (laughs) She is such a fucking mess. She is. She gets inside. She shuts the door. She shuts the door with her back. And she said something is pulling out her hair because her back is against the door. So she ends up back against the door. And she's like, what the hell? My hair's tangled in something. And, you know, I could just imagine that her heart's probably beating really fast. Like, fuck, Verity's pulling my hair. But she turns around. And she sees that it's a lock that her hair has been hung up on and that Jeremy must have installed it that day. He is just the nicest, but, like, why does she have to find everything out in the worst possible way? Why does Seriously. the universe like her? Why? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> and she's like, Jeremy probably thinks I want a lock. I want a lock to keep on the inside of the door because I don't feel safe in the house. And she's like, that's not why at all. She said she wanted a lock so they would all be safe from her, but um, we find out later that no one is. Yeah, her mom must have really done a number on her if she feels like she needs to lock herself in the room so that everyone in the house could be safe from her while she's asleep. Yeah. She mentions here that 
she doesn't think a lock will really help because she's almost certain she locked the door to her bedroom before she fell asleep all those years ago. And it doesn't explain why she woke up the next morning with a broken wrist and covered in blood. And I'm assuming this is what she mentioned in our last reading when she was 10. Yeah. But just briefly, again, right at this point, we don't know what happened. No. And she said uh, that was when her mom put her in therapy. Yeah, just the fuck is wrong with her mom? What the fuck is wrong with her mother? Like, another woman that shouldn't have had a kid. There's going to be a ton of them running all over the place. Yeah. Oh, man, I feel sorry for the next generation. Uh, me gonna too. going to be a bunch of kids that are unloved. Yeah, and it's going to be gigantic. Unloved, and they're not going to have enough money because they're gutting programs that help single moms. Mm-hmm. Makes me sad. There's going to be a lot of crime. You know, because yeah. people are going to have to steal shit just to get money for food. My yeah. God. Anyway, oh. Lowen chooses not to read any more of Verity's manuscript, and I, too, took a break on this page for, like, a week. <laughs> it was tough. It was. Gosh, just the timing of the freaking Supreme Court decision and the graphic decision or description of that abortion in this book, and then just... Verity fucking hating being a mother was a lot for my little bleeding liberal heart to take in all at once. Yeah. So Too much. She does say that since she took two days off from reading the book, she thinks that maybe Verity's presence isn't freaking her out as much. And I guess I could see how that could happen, but God, I think I would be freaked out by that lady being in the house. I don't think I would ever stop thinking about it. I'm no. like not even able to wash my face because I need to have my eyes open to keep them peeled. Yeah. <laughs> Sleep with one eye open. Exactly. So she's actually getting some work done now. Like so much work that she's just getting absorbed and she doesn't even notice what's going on until it's dinner time. And then by the time she pops out of the office, she doesn't know what time it is. So she ends up noticing when everybody's eating together. And that's what she first notices, that Verity gets brought down for mealtime. Mm -hmm. And that's so nice. Like, they're really – people think that even if you're brain dead, you can hear the shit that's going on around you. And that's nice that they're including her because, you know, humans are social people. And if you don't have the social part, uh, your mental health isn't that good. Yeah. And, I mean, hers is really bad. Because she has brain damage, so she needs all the help she can get. Lowen notices that there's a different nurse today. It's Myrna. She's a little older than April, the judgmental bitch. But and she's more <laughs> cheerful than April. She said that April's not unpleasant, but she gets the vibe that April doesn't trust Lowen around Jeremy or Jeremy around Lowen. I think she's absolutely fucking right. Mm-hmm. Did you happen to notice that she calls the other nurse? She says the other nurse looks like a Cupid doll. Yeah, I have no idea what that is. They are so fucking creepy. Did you watch the John Oliver web episode about beach dolls? No. Okay, well, gosh dang, these are the dolls that are in that video. The okay, one I'm going to comes... Google it real quick. Oh, yeah, look them up. Oh, my God. I mean, it just looks like a baby doll, but, like, a creepy fucking baby doll with its chin, like, tucked down and giving you, like, this naughty look. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny. That, I mean, it could be a little old lady, though, though. Slap some, like, really light blonde curls on that baby, and it could be an old lady. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, this nurse only works on Fridays and Saturdays. 
So uh, while Loan and Jeremy party on the weekends, they won't be judged by April. So that's nice. <laughs> yeah, so nice. And uh, she says that she's sure April thinks Jeremy and her lock each other in the master bedroom after she leaves. And she's like, I wish she were right. Yeah, not, not yet, though, April. Not yet. And in the time she's actually been spending some time working and not reading Verity's manuscript, she read two of her books and said they're freaking genius. And she's already got some ideas on what direction she needs to take the series, even though she hasn't been able to find a, an outline yet. Just then she gets a text from Corey, fucking slimy Corey, saying that Pantom did a press release this morning announcing her as the new co-author of Verity's series. And she got a link um, in her email to take a look if she wants to. And I freaking panicked right here. Like, that better be the pin name. Yeah. Yeah. Also, she said while she was reading Verity's book that she thinks it's uh, fascinating that Verity always writes from the antagonist's point of view, which is important because that gets brought up later. Yeah. Well, it's because Verity is the antagonist. That's yeah. the only point of view she has. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Write what you know. I think that's yeah. actually what they bring up in the book later. I think they do. Uh, so she's back in the office. She doesn't open up the press release uh, because Jeremy goes in right away and is like, oh, I'm going to Target. Do you want me to grab anything? And she's like, oh, I need tampons, but doesn't say that out loud. So she's like, oh, do you care if I just go with you? Yeah, it might be easier, quote unquote. I don't want you to have to buy my tampons for me. Yeah. So they hop in his Jeep Wrangler, and she's really surprised because she thought he'd drive a Cadillac or something, something a man in a suit would drive. And she's saying she just pictures him as a professional clean-cut businessman because that's what she met the first day. She's surprised to see that he's normally wearing jeans or sweatpants every day and is always outside working and has a rotating stock of muddy boots he leaves by the back door. And... Do you know the wood chopping guy on TikTok? Because that's yeah. who I'm picturing. <laughs> that's who I pictured too. I don't know his name. He's the wood chopping guy on TikTok. He's got a beard. It's so funny because I think uh, later in the book, Jeremy is chopping wood, and that's my note. Wood chopping oh, yeah. guy. Oh, yeah. Jeremy's the new wood chopping guy. He cooks, the wood chopping guy cooks too. And he's got compassion, which the wood chopping guy also has. Does the wood chopping guy have a wife? Because I, know. I have some people I think could marry him. <laughs> me too me too <laughs> not me though i'm getting married sorry wood chopping guy i'm gonna have to crush your dreams on that one i'm not getting married do you think he'd be cool to be a stepdad I'll, I'll text him i'll send him a message you want me to uh, ask dm wood chopping guy on tiktok no yeah it's okay no worries i'll do it for my personal one so we won't even know it's podcast related <laughs> <laughs> Um, so while they're driving, he asks if Lowen saw Pantum's press release and she's like, oh, I forgot to read it. And he's like, oh, it's just short and sweet, just how you wanted it. And this is what it is. Pantom Press is excited to announce that the remaining novels in the Virtue series made successful by Verity Crawford will now be co-written with author Laura Chase. Verity is ecstatic to have Laura on board and the two are looking forward to the co-creation of an unforgettable conclusion to the series. She thinks Verity is ecstatic. Ha, huh. at least I know to never trust another public publicity announcement. And then she starts reading the comments. Which never read the comments. Never fucking read the comments. Everybody's talking shit about her. Everybody's talking shit about Verity. And she says, people are brutal. And Jeremy says, never read the comments. Verity taught me that years ago. Lowen hadn't known because she never puts herself out there like that. Good to know. For this reason, exactly, actually. 
<laughs> you, you deal with comments. Do you read the comments? You need a digital person, a digital person to deal with the comments. I read the comments. I respond to all of the comments. That's why I am fired up all the time. <laughs> <laughs> they walk into the store and Jeremy opens the door and Lowen thinks this is the first time she's ever had a guy open the door for her. How messed up is that? And like pretty fucking messed up. Yeah. Uh, oh, wait, he's not even opening the door to the store. He's opening the door to the car. Yeah, and he um, reaches out to help her get down, grabs her hand to help her out of the Jeep, and she tenses up because uh, she can't prevent her reaction to his touch. Yeah, she's wondering if he feels the same about her. She wonders if he misses having sex because it's probably been out of the picture for, the, for a while for him. I mean, it better be out of the picture because, you know, Verity is a vegetable. Yeah. And then she says, why am I thinking about his sex life as we're walking in a Target? Um, because a you read Verity's book. <laughs> yeah, Verity's book, um, the ads, the cooking, the compassion that I've mentioned, a lot of reasons. Yep. <laughs> Jeremy's walking in and asks if Lowen likes to cook, and she goes, I don't dislike it. I've just always lived alone, so I don't make meals very often. Um, and then her favorite meal is, I feel like everyone's favorite meal, tacos. He grabs all the shit he needs to make tacos because, of course, he's going to make her some tacos. And you know what she offers to make in return? What? Spaghetti. <laughs> that's a real – That's I can make spaghetti, too. That's what I would offer. <laughs> I know. Maybe I'll make that for dinner tonight. Store-bought sauce only because mm -hmm. uh, fuck that other noise. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> so she leaves Jeremy in the grocery section so she can go find some tampons. And when she gets back, his, ice, his back is pressed against the ice cream cooler – and he's trying to escape from two women that are flanking either side of him. They've abandoned their carts to talk to him. She says that they're glaring at her, and it's because they fucking hate her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they either hate her because they're Lowen's friends, or they hate her because they want to be more friendly with Jeremy. I think it's because they want to be more friendly to Jeremy. She says she approaches the cart as if it's a wild animal, cautiously, timidly, because there are two wild women standing there you don't know what's gonna be said <laughs> they might as well pee on jeremy and mark their territory like that's what they're trying to do right here <laughs> it is it is and it's so funny so, so funny. of course they're like who are you and jeremy says this is laura chase he introduces her to patricia and caroline and she says the blonde looks like she's been handed a warm cup of gossip tea <laughs> That's so That's funny. Good line. She says, we're friends of Verity's and gives her a noticeable condescending look. Speaking and then she's, Verity. <laughs> she must be feeling better if she's got a friend in town. Or is Lori your friend? Yeah. These, these shameless bitches are just straight up like asking if he's cheating on Verity in her own house with her there, basically, in my person, in my opinion. That's what I think, too. And she says, how does one work with a writer exactly? I assumed it would be more of a solitary job. And Jeremy, fucking God-touched Jeremy says, that's usually what non-literary people assume. And then he just says, have a good afternoon, ladies, and leaves. And then one of them says, tell Verity I said hello, and we hope she's recovering well. And then Jeremy says, give my best to Sherman. And Patricia says, my husband's name is William. And he's like, oh, that's right. I get them confused. And then as uh, they're walking away, Laura's like, who is Sherman? And he goes, the guy she fucks behind her husband's back. He oh. is perfect. Oh, my gosh. He is so amazing because the burns do not get more epic. 
They simply do not. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah, she definitely has a crush on him. She says she feels something. She's not sure what, but it would make sense to develop a crush on a man who is so devoted to his ailing wife that he's too blind to see anything or anyone else. (laughs) She says, Lo and Ashley falling for an unavailable man with more baggage than even she has. Now that's karma. (laughs) And that's how chapter eight ends. Chapter nine is just the beginning of a bunch of fucked up events because she's popping Xanax and being out of her mind. (laughs) Oh my God. This one. She's just staring at Jeremy at the beginning of chapter nine. He's sitting alone on the back porch, staring out at the lake. Just looks like he's stressing out because he hasn't rocked in the chair he's in. And he's sitting completely still, barely even blinking. And she's obviously just creeping on him and wondering uh, what he's thinking about. And thinking, damn, that stubble looks real good on him. Even though nothing could ever look bad on him, she thinks in the same second. And Verity is not joining them today because she has a little fever. Yeah, so Lowen's sitting there at her Verity's desk, um, creeping on Jeremy through the window and like literally leans forward and rests her chin in her hand to like settle in for the stair fest. And just then Jeremy turns around and catches her staring at him. <laughs> of course, there's there's she can't hide that she just really settled no. in to stare at him, so she just smiles at him. Yeah. They're so awkward. She, he she doesn't smile back. He just stares back at her and they just like hold eye contact for a while. This is just so awkward. This is just so awkward. Right. And like everything is so awkward because they like each other and they're not supposed to. Yeah. So she thinks I need a Xanax. I haven't had one in over a week. And at this point I'm thinking Xanax, morphine, all the pharmaceuticals, whatever you need to do to get through this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. She says she's tired of moments in this house that send her pulse racing. Right. And she says once the adrenaline kicks in, she can't seem to reel it in. So she goes and finds Xanax and pops one. And as soon as she She, gets the bottle. Oh, no, wait. She she pops two. Yeah. And then she hears a scream from upstairs. It's cruel. And she's scared because it's coming from Verity's room. And she's like, I just want to turn around and run, but the boy might be in trouble. And she reaches the door and she sees crew on the floor holding his chin. There's blood in his hand and fingers and a knife next to him on the floor. She picks up crew and rushes into the bathroom down the hall and sets him on the counter. And she starts to assess his injury. And she says the cut doesn't look very deep, but it's a cut right under his chin And she's like, he must have been holding the knife when he fell. And she says, did you cut yourself? And Crew says, mommy said I'm not supposed to touch her knife. And she's like, your mommy says that? She's like, does your mom talk to you? Yeah. (laughs) Because it seems like it. (laughs) He says no, but she says his body goes rigid. And the only thing that moves is his head when he shakes it. And I don't know. That seems like some lying behavior to me. Yeah. Um, and then Jeremy comes in. Of course, Jeremy is like tending to him. And Lowen says he was just in Verity's room and there was a knife on the floor. And Jeremy's like, what were you doing with the knife? And Crew says, I didn't have a knife. I just fell off the bed. So Lowen is trying to explain he wasn't holding it. It was on the floor. She assumes that's what happened. And Jeremy asks her to go check while he keeps taking care of Crew. And when she goes out there, there's no knife. The knife's gone. 
I'm freaked out. I'm freaked out now even rereading it. I remember reading this and I got goosebumps. She's looking everywhere. She's looking on the mattress. She's looking underneath the bed, checks the floor, and it's just totally not in there. This would freak me the fuck out. Yeah. This and the TV being turned off after the nurse said it was on. There are two options here. Verity picked up the knife or Lowen imagined seeing the knife. There are no other options. Yeah. She says she's trying to suppress her terror, but she's not totally convinced. Verity's not about to lunge at her with the knife she picked up from the floor. (laughs) And then, obviously, she has to go back into the bathroom and tell Jeremy that she didn't see a knife out there. Yep. And she said that she would much rather sleep in her rental car on the streets of Brooklyn for the next week than sleep in this house another night. Yeah. And I don't know, the streets of Brooklyn seem a lot safer than Verity's crazy ass in her crazy ass house. I'm just saying. Yeah. And another thing that Lowen says kind of trips her up about like this whole Verity situation is everybody talks about Verity in present tense. So she never knows if like, like how Cruz said, my mommy says I'm not supposed to play with knives. She don't, she doesn't know if that's now or in the past. Right. And she also like thinks it's only been a couple of months, so maybe it's still kind of present for them. She's had that thought, too. So it's hard to decide. It'd be freaky. And I, I assume that it is kind of just – it's a creepy situation, I'm sure, for everyone. Because, like I said in the first step, like, being around sick or hurt people is scary because you don't want to be that person. Mm-hmm. And after Crew gets his chin all, all fixed, he goes back to Verity's room to sit on her bed and play with his iPad. Yep. And Jeremy said thanks for helping him and smiles a playful grin, which I assume means sexual because everything between them feels sexual to me. And says, I know you've been busy today and winks at her before he goes into Verity's room. He knows she was checking him out. Flirty. Flirty. (laughs) She says she closes her eyes and allows that embarrassment to sink in. I deserved that. He probably thinks all he do is stare out that office window. And then she's like, I should probably take two Xanax at this point. She goes back to Verity's office and notices the sun's starting to go out down. So that means that crew will shower and go to bed and Verity will stay in her room. So she's somewhat safe. And this is what kind of tripped me out. She says nighttime has become her favorite time because that's when she sees the least of Verity and the most of Jeremy. She's crushing so hard and this is so bad. Yeah. And then it's so funny. She goes, I'm not sure how much longer I can try and convince myself that I don't have a serious crush on him. Yeah. She keeps thinking about her situation and she's thinking she's starting to understand the reason um, Verity's suspense novels do so well is because she writes them from the villain's point of view and, you know, she's writing what she knows because she is a villain and being evil is all she knows. (laughs) But she says, I feel a little evil myself as I open the drawer and do exactly what I swore to myself I wouldn't do again. Read another chapter. Uh, this one's this one is disgusting too god verity's book is so hard to read yeah so we're in chapter four of so be it now and um she says first line of chapter four they were determined to live i'll give them that nothing she tried worked. the attempted self-abortion random pills accidental falls down a flight of stairs the only result she got was the scar on one of the baby's cheeks She says a scar Jeremy couldn't shut up about. Luckily, she got a cesarean. She's so freaking happy. Her vagina is saved. Yeah. That's what I tell people when I say I have a C-section. They look at me and I'm like, oh yeah, I had a C-section. So my vagina is still perfect. And then I clap. Honestly, 
if I get pregnant, I really want a C-section as well. Yeah. For I mean, you get numerous reasons. You get so drugged up. So drugged up. Yeah. And also, like, do you know that having a baby, like, on your back in a hospital bed, the way they do it here in the United States, is, like, really fucking dangerous? And the only reason we do it is because King Louis the something or other, the one that had 22 kids, or he had, like, 22 wives who had a bunch of kids, he liked watching women have babies. That's why he had all those kids. That's so disgusting. he made it like he's the one who made this trend or like made it a rule in England and we brought it over here with us to so that he could just watch women have babies. It was his fetish. That's disgusting. Didn't we have a civil war or not a civil war a revolution to like not follow what England does? Yeah. The only thing we were trying not to follow with England though was to um we just wanted to get away from freeing the slaves. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we were really pissed about. Yeah. And women having babies on their backs though, that's where women belong. Keep on. Keep on. <laughs> oh gosh. Anyway, she is literally pretending to sleep so that she doesn't have to interact with the pediatrician cuz she thinks the pediatrician is going to know that she's faking how to do uh mothering. She's sleeping at this point and Jeremy's like, "Oh, tell me about the scar to the pediatrician." He's like, "It looks terrible. Could it be something more serious?" And the doctor says, "They're both perfectly healthy." And she says, "Figures." <laughs> I'm really shocked that they're perfectly healthy because they've got they've taken a lot of drugs. They've taken a tumble, at least one tumble. Yeah. Like, ugh. So the nurse leaves and Jeremy's like smiling at her and he says, "Hey mama." And she thinks, "Please don't call me that." She just plays along with him, though. She smiles back at him, and it's just to, like, make him happy. That's crazy. You shouldn't have <laughs> babies to make your husband happy. Like, that is not going to make you be a good mom. It's not going to create a good family dynamic for everyone involved. Like, I don't know. It's just so upsetting. No, um, but it's so funny because they're talking about it. She goes, bring me the scarred one. <laughs> oh, my God. Why is she? I feel like this is the one that she bonds with, isn't it? It is. It is eventually the one she bonds with. <laughs> Jeremy She's... made a face like he was disappointed in the choice of words, but she didn't know what else to do. The scar was the only thing that I, uh, was the, her only identifier. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like one of them is awake and one of them is sleeping. She could have identified them that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But anyway, she's not a mother, okay? She's a person, and these fucking children are here, and she's got to identify them some way, and she doesn't need to get creative about it. <laughs> oh, my God. So she's holding this scarred one, and she touches her cheek, ran her finger down the scar, and says, I guess the wire hanger wasn't strong enough. She says, I probably should have used something that didn't give so easily under pressure. A kneading needle? <laughs> a knitting needle. I love when I do that. That's so funny. Your brain's just so fucked up about this. <laughs> so fucked up. But the knitting needle wouldn't have been long enough. Like, why is she holding these babies just thinking about how she could have killed them more effectively before they got out? She just needs to go into a padded room. You are not allowed to do abortions this late, for sure, in any state, okay? After birth is definitely too late. So she says she smiles down at the scarred one, not because she feels like smiling, but it's probably what she's supposed to do. <laughs> and she says, Chastin, you can have the better name since your sister was so mean to you. <laughs> and, of course, Jeremy loves it. And then she names the other one Harper. And she says these were two of the names he had sent me. She liked them okay. 
She chose them because he mentioned them both more than once. So she gathered they were at the top of his list, like always just doing whatever will make him happy. And I just don't think this is love, y'all. Okay, she's obsessed with him. It's not love. She is obsessed with him, and she would only do this because she thought that it would make him love her more. (laughs) So, so of course, Chastin starts to cry, probably because she can feel how unloving this embrace is. Yeah. And wiggling, and she wasn't sure what to do. So um, Jeremy's like, maybe she's hungry. And she said she was so sold on the thought of them not actually surviving their birth. That she hadn't given much thought about what would happen once they came after. And she knew breastfeeding was the best choice, but she had no desire to do it because of the damage to her breasts, especially since there's two of them. And then the nurse came in. Sounds like someone's hungry. I bet Verity wanted to punch that fucking bitch in her face. (laughs) (laughs) And then the the nurse asked, are you breastfeeding? And she said, no. And then Jeremy's like, are you sure? And she's like, there are two of them. (laughs) She doesn't like the look on Jeremy's face. Like he was disappointed in her. I hated to think that this is how it was going to be. Him taking their side. And so then she tries to breastfeed and she says it felt wrong and she was disgusted. And she just said, I just want to give them formula. And Jeremy was like, okay, let's do this. And then she felt better because Jeremy took her side. He still supported her. Yeah. She hates this. And I've actually thought about this a lot. I don't know if I would breastfeed because I feel like it would creep me out, but maybe I would change my mind once there was a baby. But gosh dang. I don't think I would have even tried at his insistence or the nurses if I felt this strongly. Yeah. Everything she does that she hates, she's doing for someone else. And I just don't understand why she keeps going forth with this strategy to do everything she hates to make someone else happy. It's so weird. Yeah. I also think it's weird that um, Lowen isn't taking notes to, like, write on there. But I'm wondering if Lowen doesn't realize that it's unhealthy. Right. Jeremy's like, how can I feel so protective of them if I've only known them a couple of hours? And she immediately thinks something jealous. I wanted to remind him that he's always been protected of me, but it didn't feel right in the moment. I almost felt as if I were intruding on something I wasn't supposed to be a part of. Like, she's really jealous of this father-daughter bond. And Jeremy's crying because of their bond. And she's like, are you crying? And she, Jeremy just, like, looked at her, and she's like, that came out weird. I meant it in a good way. I love how much you love them. He says, I've never loved anything this much. Do you think you were capable of loving so much? And I just want to note here that when I gave birth to Sebastian, I didn't bond with him right away. So it was hard for me to be like, oh, I love him so much. Because it, it did take me a while to bond with him. So I understand in that aspect, mm-hmm. but also, like... I don't think Verity ever wanted to, but she sa- she says that she rolled her eyes because she has loved someone this much, and it was Jeremy, and she's upset because he didn't notice. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it can be normal to not bond with your baby right away, not like, they're not ducks, you're not going to imprint on them, Yeah. But like, I feel like a normal person, even if it's not your baby, you can recognize that life is precious, and you should be gentle to something that can't take care of itself yet. Yeah. Ver- Verity's a fucking psycho. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, it's so hard to read. So the last chapter that we read of hers, not the one that we just finished, not the one of giving birth, but the abortion chapter was awful. And then the next chapter we're going to read of hers is also awful. Yeah. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. It gets so much worse. So then like, it's kind of like the handmaid's tale when I had to take a break from watching it for a while. I've had to take a lot of breaks reading this book. Like I, this morning I read the last 40 pages, but I read the first 60 of this reading. Just like every few days I would read one chapter or two because it's tough to read, especially given the world is on fire right now. Yeah. So we start chapter 10 with Lowen confused about why it's pissing her off so much. She's wondering, why am I angry? This isn't my life or my family. But like I said earlier, I think that she's drawing a lot of similarities between Verity and her mom. And I think that's why she's so angry. I think so too. She also might straight up be jealous that Verity has this amazing husband who she is very interested in and um, she doesn't quote unquote deserve him. On 143, she finds boxes of pictures of Verity in Verity's office closet and she decided to take it to the kitchen table to go through them. Um, and she said if she, she needs to put herself into Verity's shoes, so this will help her do that. It's research. It's not and snooping. <laughs> it's not snooping. That's her justification for it. And so she just starts going through them, and Jeremy comes in, and they start talking about it. And, oh, I did like this, that um, – Jeremy was the one that wanted the hard pictures instead of everything um, digital. Yeah, she's wondering, like, who actually develops physical pictures? Nobody does this. And, of course, it would be Jeremy because he's such a soft, mushy guy. Yeah. And she did Google what Brandy Googled after looking at Chastin. Mm -hmm. If uh, attempted abortions could cause damage in utero. And she said that's something she'll never Google again because a lot of babies survive the attempts and are born disfigured in much worse ways than just a small scar. I'm glad I didn't see any of those. I also didn't click the image search because I don't do that. Yeah. (laughs) Because I try to not make myself sick. The words are bad enough. Yeah. So we have souls. We have hearts. Right. We do. Indeed. Unlike Verity. Verity's making me feel like a really good person, actually, (laughs) in comparison. (laughs) High bar. High bar. Right. I mean, it's not that I'm against abortions. I just don't think you should tell your husband that you want to have these kids when you don't. Yeah. 100%. (laughs) So Jeremy starts looking at the pictures with her. She notices that it just looks like everybody was, like, happy. A happy little family, even though Harper never seemed to smile. And she asked why, and he said she was diagnosed with autism. Asperger's. Yeah. I couldn't help but thinking at this point, all these pictures of this perfect little happy family, that Verity is like a really good like Insta or Facebook mom. Yeah. Just projecting the perfect little happy family. That's what I noticed, too. They're just chopping it up about all these pictures. and. Of course, the, like, conversation comes up of everybody being dead now, and Jeremy says his world turned upside down when Chastin died, and then when Harper died, it ended completely, and when he got the call about Verity, the only thing left for him to feel was anger, and he admits that he was angry at Verity. He doesn't actually say out loud that he thinks she hit the tree on purpose, but he gives her a look that makes her think that that's what he's thinking. And honestly, I'd be fucking angry, too, if my spouse left me to grieve for our children by myself. And then they kind of have a special moment because she says that he could tell that he's never admitted that to anyone, maybe even to himself. And she moves to where she's standing in front of him and she gives him a hug, a tight hug. 
Yeah, they're having a real long hug. It says it lasts longer than it should last. And then um, it's very obvious to both of them that they shouldn't still be clinging to each other. And then it kind of seems like he's going to kiss her. And she says he's bringing me closer to his mouth. And then, bam, Crew walks in. I thought Crew was going to be pissed about him's dad and Lowen almost making out right there in front of him. But that's not what he's mad about. He's pissed that all those pictures are out. He, like, lunges towards the box and starts screaming at them to put them back. I don't want to see them. And so she puts them all back. And Crew and Jeremy go upstairs. She feels really awkward, but she doesn't hear crew putting up a fight or yelling. And she's feeling guilty. Like, maybe she shouldn't have taken the two Xanax. Maybe she shouldn't have brought down family pictures. Maybe she should have almost kissed a married man. There are so many things that she should not have done. (laughs) And she's wondering, why is she still there? Yeah. Um, My God. They have so many almost kisses. And so many almost getting caught almost kisses. Yeah. Uh, if nothing happens, I feel like we're still going to get out. Yeah. Yep. And that's how chapter 10 ends with her wondering what the fuck is she still doing there? <sighs> now we're into 11. Yeah. After that lovely evening that they ended there. So she's talking about how even at the height of the day, it is so fucking weird in the house. There's an unsettling energy around the house, and she can't seem to shake it. And she says it seems to be getting worse at night. Um, I just feel like Verity's up in her room, bebopping around at night, doing whatever the fuck she wants. That's why the energy is weird at night. I think so, too. And on page 150.11, she says she woke up to use the restroom, and she thought she heard a noise in the hallway, footsteps lighter than Jeremy's and heavier than Crew's. And then she said it sounded like the stairs were creaking one at a time, as if someone were creeping up them with a deliberately light foot. That would scare the fuck out of me. She can hear April talking in the kitchen. She says it sounds like maybe she's talking to Verity because she's using a really calm tone. She starts wondering about if Jeremy still loves Verity. Every time she thinks of Verity, she starts thinking about Jeremy. Mm -hmm. She says that she's never heard Jeremy talk to his wife. So she ends up going out there to see what April's doing, who she's talking to. And this cued another weird freaking Google search for me because she says that Verity's jaw moves back and forth almost robotically, like chewing and swallowing. And I'm like, can people with brain damage chew and swallow? But apparently they can. That's just like an automatic thing that you do. Hmm. She says April just acknowledges her with a fleeting glance, but nothing else. This was actually an interesting like exchange between Lowen and April on page 152 and 153. April's like feeding Verity and talking to her and Lowen starts asking questions like, how long have you been a nurse? And April basically answers every single question that Lowen asks to Verity. Like she's talking to Verity or trying to keep her into the conversation. So she says, long enough to be in the single digit countdown to retirement, but you're my favorite patient though, by far. And like, that's what she says to Verity. And then she says, how long have you worked with Verity? And then again, April answers towards Verity and they do this back and forth for a little while. And finally, April like pulls her off to the side and is like, just so you know, when you talk about a person with brain damage, like they're not in the room, it's really fucking rude. So you should stop. And I just feel like April seems like a really good nurse. Like, if I was Mary, yeah. I would want April to be giving this bitch dirty looks and telling her not to act like I'm not sitting right here, too. Yeah. Yeah. And then here comes Crew. Perfect time to ruin 
the awkward moment. Yes, just like one of the only times he actually has good timing here. Thanks, crew. <laughs> but he's got a turtle and he's so excited to show it to his mom. And this is another time when I'm like, why is he excited to show this to somebody who I am assuming hated him? Yeah. I really feel like Verity and crew had a little special bond. I think so too. I think so too. And I think it might be because crew is probably obsessed with his mom. Yeah, for sure. And um, obviously Verity doesn't respond. So Lowen goes over and asks to see the turtle and he's telling her how he's not a snapping turtle and he's really excited about it. Of course, um, his dad said he can't have another turtle though, because he killed the last turtle. <laughs> and she wonders how did that turtle die? Yeah. And she said, you killed him. How did you kill him? And he just says, lost him in the house. Mommy found him under his, her couch and he was dead. And then she thought maybe he murdered the turtle intentionally. So this was a big relief. Yeah. I mean, I had those thoughts too, because kids, man, you know? Yeah. So she tells him, let's let him go in the grass and like, see if he'll lead us to the secret turtle family. And crew says, does he have a wife? He could have babies. And um, they end up not being able to follow him because the turtle's too scared but then guess who comes over jeremy and crew's like don't worry i'm not keeping him and then he gives crew a hug and crew says gross you're sweaty and lowen's like he is sweaty but i don't really think it's gross <laughs> lowen you are not supposed to be having these thoughts ma'am so crew is complaining because they haven't taken him out to a restaurant in years they used to go out to eat all the time before his sisters died and jeremy is like so taken aback and upset by this comment that he's like okay go get ready we'll go out to eat right now before april leaves and then he asks lowen to go and i'm like oh fuck this feels like a date and it was significant that crew mentioned the girls because he hasn't mentioned them since they died this is the first time right so of course jeremy has to take him out because he wants to talk about his sisters for the first time yeah so that's good i just imagine them at um applebee's I was thinking well, Texas some, Roadhouse. Oh, <laughs> some wonton tacos. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yummy. They don't say where they go, and they don't say what they have. But she does agree to go out there, and she actually, like, puts on makeup and lip gloss. And Jeremy says she looks really nice. And she takes that compliment straight to heart. And she's like, yes, this is when we're going to fuck. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Probably. So they're sitting at the booth and crew says, he's telling jokes and he says, what's E.T. short for? Because he has little legs. <laughs> I told Matt that joke when I was reading this in bed last night. He thought it was real funny. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't they play poker in the jungle? Too many cheetahs. He's, these are good. This is my favorite page of the book so far. And yeah. Then, this is really where Lowen's about to get in Jeremy's pants because yeah. he, crew tells Lowen to tell a joke and she says, okay, she's feeling the pressure from a five-year-old and she's not real good at jokes. So she tries her best and says, what is green fuzzy? And if it fell out of a tree, it could kill you. And crew says, I don't know. And she says, a fuzzy green piano. And crew doesn't laugh. He doesn't think it's funny, but Jeremy eventually bursts into laughter and crew says, I don't get it. How is that funny? And Jeremy is like, it's not. It's funny because it's not funny. And Crew's like, that's not how jokes are supposed to work. <laughs> so she tells another one that's similar. What's red and shaped like a bucket? A blue bucket painted red. And Jeremy is loving this, but Crew is like, you're not very good at telling jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Why are they? Kids do this. <laughs> and he goes, I hope you don't try to make jokes in your books. <laughs> <laughs> He's such a savage. But 
Jeremy and Lowen are like, they're feeling each other right now. My God. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so cute. So they end up going home and having an awkward moment at the doorway when like real dates end and you can't decide if you should do a kiss or a hug. And she says, of course, neither of those would be appropriate because this wasn't a date, but it fucking was. Okay. You don't have to call it a date for it to be a date. Flirting. This is a date. Yeah. And again, they're in a sexual gaze uh-huh. and then crew comes downstairs breaking it. Yep. Jeremy like lets out a breath. Like he was about to, do something he was going to regret. And she says, I'm not sure I would have regretted it. Sleaze. I know. So they part ways and she ends up going to find Verity's manuscript because she can't have him in real life, but she can learn what he's like in bed to aid all of the fantasies she's probably going to have about him. Oh my God. And my note here was, well, we know he does all of his best talking in bed. So we know one thing about how he's like in bed. Oh. Um, and here we go into chapter five of uh, So Be It. And it's fucking awful. <laughs> Terrible. I mean, the writing is good, but Jesus Verity, I don't like you as a person. No. No. God, this is terrible. This is terrible. This is terrible. My zinger is really good in it, but this chapter is <laughs> terrible. It starts with Verity feeling like she's going to have a breakdown, which... Honestly, in the first two weeks, I feel like all parents feel this. She couldn't take it anymore. Somebody's always hungry. Somebody's always crying. They never sleep at the same time. And Jeremy helps, but she realizes if they only had one child, like, at least sometimes it would be sleeping. (laughs) Yeah. And Jeremy is still working at this time. So he only took two weeks off from his real estate business. And she's really freaking out that he's going to leave her and she's not going to be able to fend for herself with these girls. But then he leaves and it ends up being the best thing that happens to her because this bitch. God, she's such a cunt. I know. She gets up with him. He sees her taking care of the babies. And then when he leaves, she unplugs their monitor and goes back to sleep and ignores the fuck out of them until he's coming home. And there he lived in a corner apartment, mm-hmm. so it's not like anyone could hear them on the other side of the wall. Yeah, there's, she's saying there's nobody who can hear them crying, and she's so far down the hallway, she can't hear it either. They're two weeks old. Like, this is literally abuse. Mm-hmm. She would leave them to cry all day long, and then right before Jeremy would come home, she'd feed them, bathe them, and start dinner. So when he walked in the door, it smells like dinner. The babies are calm because they've finally been tended to, and they're fucking exhausted because they've been crying all day. And it smells like dinner, and he's blown away because she's tackling life. She even says that nighttime feedings don't bother her anymore because she sleeps so much during the day. And she even has so much energy at night because of all the sleeping during the day. She's even ahead on writing. Such a bitch. Okay, yeah. so my zinger doesn't come in on this one. It comes in the next one. So oh. we'll look we'll at that tease. Then. <laughs> look at that tease. So she is feeling like she's crushing it. The only place she's not crushing it is in the bedroom, she says. She's upset because the doctor won't let her have sex for six weeks, like they normally tell you. And I'm thinking at this point, like, why does she want to have sex so soon? Like, sh- does she want another baby? Because that's what's going to happen. So she just <sighs> feels like she needs to be the perfect wife or Jeremy's just not going to be interested in, in her anymore. So she decides to seduce him. And also, Jeremy won't have sex with her until a doctor clears it. Yeah, so she has to be, like, really sneaky about the way she seduces him. She, she basically she, rapes him. Yeah, basically, he's sleeping. <laughs> he's sleeping. And she just starts giving him a blowy. 
She says, I'm almost positive his dick was rock hard before he was even awake. She says she teased him for about 15 minutes, but she was not going to let him finish inside her mouth. He was going in the place the doctor didn't want him. And (laughs) she says she got him so fucking crazy that he was pounding into her so hard it actually did hurt. And it lasted an hour and a half. Gosh, I hope she bled. She probably did. She says, though, the sheets were covered in sweat and semen. No mention of blood. She's happy, though, because she knows they'd be okay because Jeremy still worshipped her body as much as he always had. The girls might have taken a lot from us by then, but his desire was the one thing I knew would always be mine. And I'm just She's so, so vain. It's so disgusting that she did all of this. To get back at the infants for yeah. taking him from her? Could you imagine, like, jealousy fucking your husband because you're mad at your children? Never. I... I mean, this scene might have been hot, but I'm just like, how are you doing all of this, like, with your hate for your kids in the back of your mind? That doesn't do it for me, personally. No. She's a, she's a psychopath. And thankfully, that's the end of that chapter. <laughs> yeah. In chapter 12, Lowen starts off with, that was one of the most difficult chapters she could read. And she just wondered how a mom could sleep soundly down the hall from her crying infants. She's like, I've been under the impression that Verity might have been a sociopath, but now I'm leaning more towards psychopath. She's a psychological liar, cunning and manipulative, lack of remorse or guilt, callousness and lack of empathy, shallow emotional response. Or that's the definition of a psychopath. Yeah. The one thing she's questioning is that she loves Jeremy. Well, she says her obsession with Jeremy and she says psychopaths, psychopaths find it more difficult to fall in love. And if they do, it's difficult to retain that love. And I just don't think Verity's in love with Jeremy. She's obsessed with him. And I don't think obsession is love. That's what I was thinking. When you are in love with somebody, you don't do everything you can to make sure they don't leave. Like you tell them, Hey, I love you. This is what I'm willing to give you. And if they don't take it, you're like, well, I love myself more, bitch. And then you leave. Do you think Verity's a narcissist? Verity is a thousand percent a narcissist. We knew she was a narcissist when she was like, no man's going to resist me in my stolen dress. Yeah. A thousand percent. And I don't think that Jeremy ever knew what a narcissist she was. Or maybe he figured it out after she killed his children. Yeah, that could be it. Lowen's confused because Jeremy is her... Verity's entire focus and how can that be a psychopath and then she's also like he's married to a psychopath and he has no idea because she did everything she could to hide it from him and that's what psychopaths call putting on their person suit Mm -hmm. then Jeremy knocks on the door and he's looking her favorite way all damp from the shower in his pajama bottoms barefoot casual and easygoing she hates how attracted she is to him and then she wonders would she even be attracted if it weren't for the intimate details in the manuscript he gave her the shirt off his back and um he's just leaps and bounds above any man she's probably ever dated if Corey was anything to base my opinion off Yeah. He asks her to go with him down to the basement to find an old aquarium for crew because he decided to let crew keep the turtle. And there's one light that goes into the base or that's in the basement, but that's it. And she says the basement doesn't feel like an extension of the house. It feels abandoned and uncared for. 
Yeah, and the door to the basement is put on wrong. So he needs her help because the door opens, like, towards the stairs instead of away from the stairs. So you can't, like, open the door when you're on the stairs and your hands are full. So he needs her to literally just hold the door open when he comes back up. So they go down, and she's surprised to find out that it's a cute little office and not a creepy-ass basement like she thought it was going to be. She also sees the baby monitors that Verity used to unplug. And she cringes when she sees them. Yeah, just thinking about um, Verity unplugging it during the day so she could just get more shut-eye. Yeah, and this is when she finds out that Jeremy used to own a realty firm, but he quit doing it when they had crew. And I'm wondering if Verity guilted him into that. She was like, you're making me have three kids and I have to do it all you know while you work when i get a break i definitely thought like she would be mad at him for enjoying and being willing to do that that's how i thought that conversation Mm. went you know Mm. but it could be a lot of things she could have forced it and been mad about it that they even needed to do it but he says she was making so much money that her check started to make his look cute and they were just (laughs) making so much money that his income wasn't having a real impact on their lifestyle I just want to know how much fucking money you got to be making that a real estate agent, his money is just a drop in the bucket because I want to marry a person who makes that much money. (laughs) Yeah. Same, same. And then now the only thing that happens in horror movies happens now. Uh, Yep. The Um, light goes out. Yeah. He unplugs something, a fucking circuit breaks, the the only light shorts and now they're just trapped in the basement and fuck no. I would have ran up those stairs and been like, peace out, bitch. I'll see you at the top. <laughs> he puts her hand on his arm and or on his shoulder and she feels his muscles contract. I love some shoulder muscles for yeah. sure. Yeah. Jeremy takes control of the scary situation. He leads her up the stairs, tells her you're gonna stand behind me until we get to the top, and then you'll sneak around me very close, wink wink, and open the door for me. And they do that, and once they get to the top, Jeremy's like, not a fan of basements, huh? Nobody is. No. Bad things happen in basements. Have you ever seen a true crime documentary? Look, I just watched this horror movie called X, and there was a naked person hanged in someone's basement. (laughs) So, yeah. People do creepy shit in basements. Yeah. Yeah. I was just reading a news article this morning about a little boy being found in somebody's basement. Okay. Basements are scary, and Lowen has every fucking right to be afraid of them especially when the light goes out because you unplug something from the wall that's not how things are supposed to work no these wires should be better also if you guys are so rich that your real estate salary is a drop in the bucket fix that fucking door bruh yeah (laughs) exactly that seems like an easy enough fix just put the hinges on the other side get a little contractor with the little drill be mean be mean it seems like somebody could do that easily easily so Jeremy ends up actually going in the master shower, which is low in shower, to clean out the aquarium because it's so dusty. And Lowen just can't stop thinking about the book. She says it's like a train wreck and Jeremy doesn't even realize he's mangled in the wreckage. She's going to sleep and she puts on his a shirt from his because she didn't want to wear any of um, her shirts and it's a Crawford Realty and she crawls onto the bed and uh, tries to masturbate to Jeremy's face. She is really reenacting the Verity scene from when she was straddling the pillow and thinking about Jeremy. Do you remember when he first went off for whatever he was doing? 
Yes. She's checking out the teeth marks on the headboard and she's like, Jesus fucking Christ, this man is so hot. His shirt smells so good. And I mean, this was probably my favorite sex scene to this point. And then the hospital bed starts fucking moving (laughs) upstairs and that'll freaking dab the mood real quick, won't it? Yeah. Oh my gosh. She's obsessed. I could never have the balls to just go into somebody's closet, especially some married man who I barely know, and take their shirt and put it on me and wear it. No, but even in the next chapter, no one even mentions it. That's, that's something I've been thinking about this whole time. No one brings up the shirt again, and Jeremy definitely finds her in Verity's room in his shirt and cuddles her for a couple of hours while she's just wearing his shirt. Before we get on to chapter 13, she scratches her nose and then it makes her wonder if it bothers Verity not being able to lift a hand to scratch an itch or if her condition even allows her to feel an itch. And then she closes her eyes and thinks all she can think about is that Verity probably deserves the darkness, the stillness, and the quiet. Yet for a psychopath, she certainly has so many still wrapped around her mobile finger. Ouch. That was harsh. Yeah. That ends chapter 12 and then we start chapter 13. And it says, the smell is different when I open my eyes. So are the noises. I'm not confused about where I am. I know I'm in Jeremy's house. I'm just, I'm not in my room. She says the bed beneath her begins to move, but it wasn't because someone in the bed is moving. It's different. Like, it's mechanical. And she realizes she's in Verity's fucking bed. She freaks out, jumps up, scrambles across the floor to the wall, and slides up with her back against it like she's in a fucking scary movie. And, Jesus Christ, could you imagine? Like, Of course she would sleepwalk into Verity's room after reading all this shit and being obsessed with her. I know her therapist says that sleepwalking doesn't have intention, but, like, really? Because your subconscious feels like it has intention. Yeah. Might not be your intention. But your subconscious. My note, though, on 171, like you said, though, is, oh, my fucking God, she sleepwalked in Jeremy's shirt, and nobody mentions it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So she screams, and Jeremy comes into the room. Yeah, she says he flings his arms around her, pulling her to a stop, and she's so freaked out that she just turns around and runs the fuck out of there, goes to her room and slams the door. She says the bedroom door opens and closes behind Jeremy. He's shirtless in a pair of red flannel pajama bottoms. All I see is a blur of red plaid as he rushes towards me. Did he even check on Verity? Like, I don't think so. It seems like he did it, and... As I'm reading this chapter, that's all I can think about because, like, he never goes back to check on her either. He stays here with Loan all night. Yeah. So he just asks her what happened, and she's like, I don't know. I took two Xanax earlier. And she basically tells him that she sleepwalks. Mm -hmm. I didn't take very many notes because they're really just talking back and forth about, like, the sleepwalking. He realizes that's why she wanted the lock on the door. He admits that he thought that she wanted the lock because he was afraid of her. So he's like laughing, but she is just so embarrassed and acting like this is such a big deal. Like how could her mom have made this such a big deal? Mm-hmm. She told him about how she broke her hand in her sleep and didn't feel it until she woke up. She's worried about what she's capable of. And then she can't remember if she locked her door or didn't. Mm-hmm. And then she tells Jeremy that she should go. And so she starts packing her stuff. And he's like, don't leave. Yeah, she's like throwing her shit in a suitcase. And Jeremy is taking it out. She obviously resigns to letting him unpack her shit. Because then she sits down and starts telling him the story about what happened to her when she was 10. She slept walked. 
And they had cameras monitoring their house. So they all saw her sleepwalking and she left her bedroom. She goes out to the front porch and she's just like standing on a railing completely still for an hour. And then she jumps off, breaks her wrists, gets up, walks back inside and goes back to bed without any expression on her face. And I just really can't believe her mom made a big deal out of this because that just seems like what sleepwalkers do. Yeah. Like her mom moved her bed down the hall. Yeah, and installed three locks on her own door to lock Lowen out. And Jeremy is empathetic and was like, I'm sorry your mother didn't know how to handle that. Why is he perfect? There has to be something wrong with him. I hope we don't find out what it is. Yeah. He just talks about them coming up with a plan for the next day, and he just falls asleep with her to make her feel more comfortable. Yeah, he lays there for like a full hour until she falls asleep or he thinks she falls asleep. She lays there for an hour pretending to be asleep. But when he gets up, he like touches her hair and then gives her a little kiss on the side of the head. And I just feel like this has been so intimate, laying in bed in his t-shirt, cuddling after she was terrified. And he never went back to check on his wife. Yeah. That's how chapter 13 ends. On chapter 14, she says that she never ended up falling back to sleep. And so she's, like, getting jumped up on coffee. While she's making coffee, Jeremy bumps into her. And he walks really close to her to, like, whisper, saying, how about if I put a lock on the outside of your door? And then I lock it when you go to sleep. And I'll lock it before you wake up. Like, he's really going to stay up the latest and go to sleep or wake up the earliest just so she could be locked in. And she doesn't think she'll be more comfortable knowing she could never get out again, but she says, thanks, I'd like that. And as they're having this little whisper conversation, April walks in. And Jeremy completely ignores her. And then April, like, doesn't like that and eventually, like, says, good morning, people. I am here. (laughs) And um, Jeremy, like, says, morning, April. And April just gives Lowen a dirty-ass fucking look. Here, Jeremy is telling Lowen that she needs to take a break today. She doesn't. But he cooks her tacos for dinner. It's so sweet, right? <laughs> Did you notice what she was working on today? She had to do some interviews, and apparently they were, like, emailed interviews, and she just copy and pastes the answers. <laughs> and that's what I would do, too. Same. Work smarter, not harder. Jeremy did make tacos, but she doesn't want to go out there and eat with everybody because April has Verity at the table. So d- she decides to just read one more chapter of her manuscript. Oh, my God. The worst chapter that we have read of Verity's manuscript so far, and the last chapter that we're going to read today, or talk about today, of Verity's manuscript. And um, in this part, the girls are six months old now. She still wishes they didn't exist, and they do. Jeremy still loves them. Yeah, Jeremy still loves them. She's trying to love them. But sometimes she wants to pack her bags and never look back. But life without Jeremy was not a life she wanted to live. She had two options, live with the girls and him, or live without him. She wakes up in the middle of the night because she has a nightmare. She said it just felt so real that uh, the effects lasted for a while. And it was, um, she was walking by the girl's bedroom. She looked inside and she saw Harper on top of Chaston covering her head with a pillow. She rushed over to the bed, terrified that it was too late. She pushed Harper off and pulled the pillow away. And uh, Chaston, I'm assuming, was dead. This is really creepy because... When she gets the pillow off of Chaston's face, not only is she dead, but she doesn't have any face. No scar, no eyes, no mouth. Very creepy. Yeah, and this is when Verity bonds with Chaston. 
And basically targets Harper as the fucking enemy. Yes. She thinks that this is some kind of premonition that Harper is going to do something to Chaston. And she also feels like this is what mothers must feel like. They love something so much that the thought of it being ripped away from you causes you physical pain. Mm-hmm. Jeremy is like, oh, are you okay? And she doesn't want Jeremy to know what she was thinking. But I feel like she should have been, I feel like she should have told him. Well, she could have told him about the dream without telling yeah. him that she didn't love the girls before and now she loves only one of them. But yeah. of course, Verity doesn't think that far. She's like, okay, we're not talking. Time for sex. They end up hooking up again. And she's talking about how she loves it when he moans because normally he's a quiet lover. But sometimes if she caught him off guard, he'd make a lot of noise. And she wondered how many other women had coaxed that noise out of her. And then she wonders how many lips have been wrapped around his dick. And I could not sit there and do sex. And ask about, about other women. partners. Yeah, yeah no. right. She asks him too. She says, how many women have sucked your dick? And then he doesn't answer because she's obviously fucking crazy for asking that. And she's like guessing more than five, more than 10, more than 20. And he doesn't really answer. And then he asked how many guys have licked her vagina. I'm not saying the P word because it's a disgusting word. It is a disgusting word. She says two. I'm not a whore like you. First of all, first of all, is she lying right here? Is it really only two? And if it's only two, am I to presume that she's only had sex with two men? Because I am not going to think that any women are out there throwing the coochie around for somebody who's not going to eat it first. I think she's lying. I hope she is. And my advice to all women is if that man does not eat vagina, he does not deserve to touch it in any way. Exactly. (laughs) Anyway, they continue on and she's really excited because she thinks she's about to be fucked because the look on his face and she says, he didn't. He just made love to me. She doesn't like that, though. She says she likes it better when she's the one doing the pleasing instead of being pleased. And she says her love language is acts of service and Jeremy's is getting his dick sucked. We're a perfect match. And I just want to say that I don't think they're a perfect match at all. No. No. It's toxic. It's It's so fucking. It's giving so toxic. For real. Uh, But then moments from climaxing and that's when one of the girls started crying and she was upset and they both reached to the monitor and she turned it off yeah she's like they can cry for a few minutes it's fine and he's like trying to get away but she's like no no pops his wiener back in her mouth and convinces him to stay (laughs) she says she's gotten so much better at swallowing compared to the first time she attempted it so um she puts him to bed and then goes out to take care of the girls so fucked up she walked into the room and saw that it was harper crying and she said how disappointing because she thought it was chasten and she wanted to hold and cuddle her and love her and so instead of going to help harper she still picked up chasten mm-hmm. and she rocked chasten and sat down with her and just kind of loved on her and she just thought about her dream and how terrified she was to see harper trying to hurt her and she was just worried that it was all going to come true one day. And she said, maybe that's what mother's intuition is. Maybe deep down she knew something terrible was going to happen to Chaston. And that's why she had been given that immense sudden love for her. And then she wondered if she would ever have that for Harper. She's sitting there thinking all this stuff and Harper's still screaming. And she's thinking, shut the fuck up. Crying, crying, crying. I'm trying to bond with my baby. 
eventually she has to stop bonding with sleeping Chastin and try to do something about Harker, Harper because Jeremy is going to come in in a few minutes. And she starts thinking maybe she's misinterpreting her dream. Maybe it was a warning. If she didn't do something about Harper before it was too late, Chastin would die. This bitch starts thinking about what would happen if she suffocated Harper? Would they know that it's not Sid's? She's over at Harper's crib at this point, and she's, like, touching her finger to Harper's lip. Harper, like, latches onto it because she's hungry, and that's why she's screaming. Realizes it's not a bottle, starts screaming again. So Verity starts shoving her finger into her mouth. Somehow she's still crying, so she puts another finger into her mouth, shoves it into her throat until her knuckles were pressed against her gums, and she was no longer crying. Soon she began to stiffen with each violent jerk of her little body, her legs locked up. This is what she would have done to her sister if I hadn't have done it to her first. I'm saving Chastin's life. Okay, you ready for my... <laughs> you yeah. ready for my singer? Yeah. This must be what people talk about when they say New York has a, an abortion law where you can abort the baby five months after it was born. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. <coughs> people say that? Yes. That's murder. I know. That's actual murder. I know. As soon as the baby's out of the womb, people, it is murder. This is what we're combating right here. This level of stupidity. Mm-hmm. My fucking God. I know. So, thank fucking God at this exact moment, Jeremy walks in and asks if she's okay, and Verity pulls her fingers out of Harper's mouth and picks her up and starts acting like she's taking care of her. And she's like, I don't know. I can't make her happy. I've tried everything. The only thing she tried was attempted murder, by the way. Yeah. And she says, that's when she puked on me and started wailing. And Jeremy grabs her and doesn't even care that Verity got puked on. Like, of course he doesn't care that you got puked on. His daughter has been screaming for like 20 minutes and you're doing everything you can to act like it's not happening. God, she's such a terrible mom. I know. She doesn't even stay in there and see what's going on with Harper. She goes straight to clean up herself and Jeremy ends up feeding Harper because she was hungry. When she gets back in the bed after cleaning herself up and everybody's done everything they're doing, Jeremy's plugging in the baby monitor and she realizes that if that shit would have been plugged in five minutes prior, she would have totally been caught. And she wonders how she could have been so careless. And she says she slept very little that night wondering what Jeremy would have done had he caught her trying to sh save Chastin from her sister. So she's not even saying trying to murder her. She's just say using it to say, like, save them. Like, so no. she is, like, one of those fucking crazy Republicans with her cognitive dissonance thinking yes. that killing this baby will save another. Yes. My fucking God. Luckily, that's the end of that chapter, and we are not going back into Verity's head again for this episode. No. Lowen doubles over after reading that, and it was saying, please, please, please. But she didn't know why she was saying that or who she was saying it to. She said she needed to get out of the house. She couldn't breathe. Um, she should go sit outside. And then she realized that it was nighttime. Yeah, she's been reading a long time. We actually don't get to read chapters seven or eight. She read through those on her own here. But she mentions it in subsequent chapters, Verity's focusing mainly on Jeremy and Chastin, rarely mentoring, mentioning Harper at all, which grew more disturbing with each paragraph. She says she would have thought that something happened to Harper long before it actually did with how little Verity seemed to notice her. Yeah. Was Harper the one that had Asperger's? Yeah. Okay. She's the one who rarely smiled. And like, did she rarely smile because she had autism or did she rarely smile because she was abused? I think the latter. Yeah. So now Jeremy's knocking on the door asking her to come eat tacos because it's after 10. He says, you've been in here for 12 hours. 
come take a break and watch a meteor shower tonight with me. I made you tacos and a margarita. And this is another fucking date. Okay. It is. Yes, it is. They're out on the back porch, sitting in rocking chairs, watching the meteor shower. And apparently it's a good one. They're seeing one every minute, at least. They move out to the grass. They're laying on the, out in the grass, watching the meteor shower. It's really romantic. And then they start talking about why he moved to Vermont. And then she's like, do you think you'll ever go? Do you think you'll go back to work soon? He says, I'd like to. He's just been waiting on the right time. Yeah, he just doesn't want it to be a huge adjustment for a crew. And at this point, she's like, I want to hold his hand. I want to comfort him. But he's married, so I don't touch him at all. And I'm like, y'all cuddled in his T-shirt this morning. Yeah. What matters now? Yeah. Why, why do you have this conscience now? Yeah. So then Lowen's like, what about Verity's parents? And they find out here that Verity's parents just cut her out of their life because she was writing the book she was writing. So it seems to me like Verity doesn't know a mother's love, so maybe she couldn't give it. Yeah. Also, this is another similarity that Verity and Lowen have with not really great parents. Yeah. Noted here, they said that Verity writing thriller and suspense novels was like she was suddenly denouncing her religion and joining a satanic cult. And I'm like, these motherfuckers probably voted for Trump. (laughs) And apparently, after her first book came out, they never spoke to Verity again. And Jeremy tried calling them after Chaston passed, and they never called back. And then finally, Verity had her wreck. Her parents responded to Jeremy's calls. What his father-in-law basically said to him was, God punishes the wicked, Jeremy. Disgusting. And they haven't spoken since. That's, that's what all those religious anti-abortion people are going to tell women when they can't feed their children. Yep. That they were forced to have. Jeremy must really trust Lowen because right here he asks if she thinks that he should put group, crew back into therapy. And she gives him his honest, her honest answer, yes. And they're talking about her therapy and how it was the best thing that ever happened to her. But, like, you've got to have a lot of trust in someone to, like, honestly value their opinion about how you should raise your children. Yeah. And then she just talked about how her mother never went with her, didn't even want to talk about her didn't even want to talk about her therapy. And then she says that her mother reminds her a lot of, and she stops... And she just says the main character in Verity series, but she really means Verity. That and light bulb finally went off for her. It finally went off for her. And so she's just like talking about it. And he's like, oh, she's like, you've never read any of her books. And he's like, no, just the first one. And he said that he couldn't read them because it was hard for him to fathom that it all came from her imagination. And at that point, Lowen wanted to tell him what she thinks. It's not unfathomable at all. Yeah. And um, he would say that Verity would get angry because he, she never wanted to read her manuscripts, but he didn't need, she, he says she didn't need that validation from him, but she did. And Lowen in her head says, because she was obsessed with you. Totally and obsessed, so like a narcissist is with their victim. Exactly. And he asks Lowen, where do you get your validation from? And she says that she doesn't, that her books aren't positive, but when she does get a positive review or fan from an email, she doesn't feel like they're talking to her. And she says it would feel really good, she imagines, for someone to look her in the eye and say, your, ma- your writing matters to me, Lowen. And, of course, at this point, I'm like, well, now Jeremy's going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> this is just, like, really romantic, okay? It they're is watching so a meteor shower. They're, they're talking, like, they're being very vulnerable with each other. They've done a lot of trauma bonding to this point. Yeah. And she's like, 
asking him when he's going to start on the new dock. And Jeremy says he's not building a new dock. He just got sick of looking at the old one. And I can't help but think that Harper must have fallen off the old dock. Yeah. So they're just sitting there. Jeremy's kind of staring at her like he seems like he wants to kiss her. She wants him to kiss her. But he doesn't. And she asks what he's thinking. And he says, I'm thinking it's late. I should probably lock you in your room now. So he does. She grabs her laptop. She grabs the manuscript because she wants to read another chapter. And goes and sits on the bed. And guess what fucking happens? They say goodnight. And Jeremy's like, Lo, I lied to you. Barony never read your book. And she's like, why would you say that if it wasn't true? And he says, I'm the one who read your book. And it was good. Phenomenal. That's why I suggested your name to her editor. Your writing matters to me, Lowen. And then he just shut the door. And now Lowen's in love with him. They're going to fuck. They're going to fuck. They're going to fuck. Like probably in chapter 16, right after we read chapter nine. Yeah. She says, this is the first time in her career that somebody outside of her agent has given her validation. And honestly, these people giving her validation about her books, it seems like she just falls into sexual relationships with her. So yeah, the next thing that's going to happen is they're going to fuck. For sure. She says, Jeremy made me feel so good just now. I don't even mind being a little disturbed by his wife before I fall asleep. (laughs) I didn't write down any questions for you because I'm just shooketh to my core about this crazy fucking book. I am too, and I feel like I said it all before, but I can ask you, now that we're this deep into it, do you think Verity kills her daughters or kills Harper? What I think happens is she's in love with Chastin now. She needs to save her from Harper. And then Chastin died first of an allergy, right? An Mm -hmm. allergy that Harper didn't have. And I assume that this was at a birthday party that both girls were at because they're twins and they probably have the same friends. And what if... Chastin died by accident for real because they didn't know that she had a peanut butter allergy. Like when you're young, you don't know what your allergies are. Bad things have to happen before you find out what your allergies are when you're young. So I think Chastin died by accident, but Verity blamed Harper and then Verity pushed Harper off that fucking dock. I could see it. What do you think? That's what I think. Or maybe Harper was a little jealous uh, Chastin's relationship with Verity and maybe Harper put a little peanut butter in but didn't think that Chastin was going to react the way she did. So maybe like the peanut butter was a known allergy and Harper was like, I'm going to put her down for a little while so my mom loves me. Yeah. And I mean, that and, could be a totally five-year-old thing to think. Yeah. And then I think maybe um, Harper fell into the water off the dock and Verity just didn't jump in to help her oh for sure if harper had an accident verity was not gonna help her no i'm really interested to see what happens once she gets pregnant with crew because i think that her and crew have a special bond i think so too and i'm sure she's gonna hate being pregnant just like she did before but i wonder if when she's pregnant her and jeremy are going to get to bond again a little bit because he's going to be doting on her even though it's because of the kid she liked it when he lied to her when she was pregnant before and gave her attention so yeah i don't know this is such a fucked up book it'll be interesting to see yeah for sure so we're gonna finish yeah are we finishing it we're finishing it i can't wait to find out what happens I mean, I have, like, a really disgusted sense of I can't wait to see what happens because I know it's not going to be good. Nothing good's going to happen. But no. How long until Jeremy and Lowen hook up? Probably only one chapter, in my opinion. They've done everything up to that point. 
a lot of sexual tension is coming. I think so two much. chapters, two chapters in. Alrighty. They get drunk. Well, yeah. happy reading, friend. Yeah, you too. I hope that oh, it's less traumatic for the rest of the book. But I don't know. Verity says the third trimester is the worst. Yeah. And we're entering the third section of this book. So I'm just saying. Yeah. We'll <laughs> okay. see. So in two weeks, we'll come back and talk about the end of Verity and announce our next book. Perfect. All right. Talk to you then. Bye. <laughs>